You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Our call to worship this morning came from uh, the very end of the book of Revelation, and it was about the king, the kingdom of God, the new Jerusalem kind of coming down to earth. And there's a statement in there. It's the very last statement in the book that actually the voice comes from the throne. And that, those words are, behold, I make all things new. Now, there's something I think very special about this story, about how the Bible comes to an end. Because I think growing up as a Christian, I heard a lot about going to heaven when I died, right? So the thing was to try and endure earth, to kind of buckle down, hold on, and then maybe if you made it to the end of your life still as a believer, you would get to kind of live an eternity in heaven. The problem I have with that, and we used to, and we used to say, like we had that belief, but on the other hand, we also had this statement that you didn't want to be so heavenly-minded that you were no earthly good. And so there was this tension between you know, going to heaven when we died, but still being a use, useful for God on earth. Um, it, was, it was amazing. Like we said we wanted to go to heaven, but no one was in a hurry to get there, right? No one was like lining up to go to heaven, um, you know. It wasn't like there was a bus that you could just get on and do, 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 you know, go on to heaven. And it also, there's, there's this idea that if, it's, if this life is just about going somewhere else, then this life seems to lose its value a bit. Like, why even have this life? And think about all the goodness and beauty and truth that we get to experience in this life. Think about our, our relationships and you know, our friends and family. Even the, the struggles and the hard times. I mean, I made light of it just a second ago when we are having a mic problem. But you really know that you're in a close relationship with someone when you've been through difficult times with them. Like it's difficult, it's almost impossible to know whether or not a friend is a true friend until you've had hard times. And if they've stuck with you during the hard times, then you know this is a true friend. And so that's part of life too. Like I'm, I'm not looking for us to kind of seek after struggles. Like let me go find some problems to have in my life. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> but just live your life. Troubles will come, trust me. And when they do, Stick with those folks who stick with you. I mean, it's not just a test of the other to see whether or not they're a true friend. It's also a test of us. Like, are we a true friend? Well, we'll know when our friends go through hard times. And if we stick with them, then, then we're a true friend. So this, I think, is the gospel. This is the good news. Not that we're going to get swooped up and taken somewhere else but that the ideals of somewhere else are going to come and be a part of this life here. So this is the Lord's Prayer. 
We, we pray it sometimes. We've heard it all. So we'll take a look at it here. Our Father in heaven, you can pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for the evil one. Sorry. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is idea that we want the will of God and the kingdom of God that is taking place in heaven to come to earth. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's so many things there. One is that particular prayer is in the first person plural. Our Father. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. The Lord's Prayer cannot be prayed in the first person singular. You can pray a prayer that's similar to the Lord's Prayer, like it can be on the same themes, but when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, Jesus taught them a prayer that was intended to be prayed together. We're a family. So whether, whether it's this particular family, right, that meets here at Oasis, or the extended Christian family around the globe, when we pray, our Father, it's just that. It is our Father, not just me by myself. And then there's this idea that it seems, the prayer seems to assume that the will of God and the kingdom of God is complete or accomplished, um, is happening in heaven. But we're praying that it will come to earth, as in heaven, also on earth. So in some ways, the kingdom of God is not here. In some ways, the will of God is not here. And I, and I think that seems to me like completely obvious when I look around. Like if I watch the news, if I turn on the radio, it's not that hard for me to tell that the will of God is not always being done on this earth. Right? So just, you know, become a foster parent. Um, pay attention to what's kind of happening uh, in our cities or uh, on our borders or at other locations around the globe. That's not the will of God. And so we're praying that somehow God will come and he'll make all of those things right. Like that's what the prayer's for. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray this, and we Christians have been praying this not just for years, but for decades, not just decades, but centuries, and not just for centuries now, but for some millennia. And this vision that John has in the book of Revelation, in a way, is an answer to the Lord's prayer. Like, we've been praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And John says, when all of this gets to the end, like the very, very last story in the Bible is a story about the kingdom of God coming to earth, about God making things right, about this pronouncement that all things are made new. 
So I, I don't want to put too much um, emphasis on kind of word order there. But I, I think there's something to be said that God doesn't say, I'm going to make all new things. He says, I'm going to make all things new. So that what we have here is a renewal of things. Things that we thought were broken. Things that we thought were lost. Things that we thought could not be reconciled or mended. That God is making a promise to make all those things new. It's renewal of things. That the new creation is not simply returned to the original creation. It's not like we're all going to go back to Eden. And we should all be thankful for that, right? Because in Eden, the first humans were running around naked. I mean, I think in the new creation, we get to wear clothes. And at the very least, where's Stetson when I need him? Um, we're we're going to wear, he was there last week, um, we're going to wear robes, right? We're given robes to wear. And I'm thinking that's a good thing, because I like you people, but I don't want to see you naked. <laughs> I should follow my notes more closely. <laughs> okay. So my main point here is that where we're headed is not just back to the good old days. That literally, the new creation is not a return to Eden. Now, Eden was a good thing, at least initially, right? We had a good relationship with God. We had a good relationship with each other. We had a good relationship with ourselves. We had a good relationship with this earth. But then something happened with the original creation. Uh, Things were developing, And in that development, uh, there were some lessons to be learned. So there's a couple of ways that we might look at that first creation. And the typical one that I grew up with was this idea that in the beginning, everything was perfect. There were perfect people in a perfect place with a perfect God. But something's, something's not right about that story. Like, how could all of that been perfect and I still ended up in the mess we're in now? Like, what happened? So one of the early Christian thinkers is named Irenaeus. He argued that in the beginning, things weren't perfect, but good. Like, when God created it, he said, this is good. And I mean, that's a, a, literally a direct quotation from the creation story. He created this, and it was good. He created that, and it was good. He created the other, and it was good. And every time he created something, it was good. But there's a difference between good and perfect, right? So Irenaeus looks at the original creation as though it's creation in the beginning, like in its infancy, but that it would grow up and that it would mature, that God would take it from where it began and it would be value added so that the work of Christ is not just a response to some human uh, meddling with God's plan but rather it's part of the original plan to take us from where we started to where we end. This is actually theologically quite important. We don't want the work of Christ, the the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the enthronement of Christ to be God's response to our mistake. Because if that's the case, then, then Christ is plan B. Like God wanted to go one way with creation, we somehow were successful enough and powerful enough to, to dislodge God's plan, so God had to come up with the second plan. But that's, that's not at all how Revelation speaks of Jesus. Revelation speaks of Jesus as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. 
So before the world was created, this was the plan. God only ever had one plan. He had one plan to create this place, and he knew when he created humans that there would be this kind of growth curve for them, that they would have to learn right from wrong, and that in learning right from wrong, they would have to receive some discipline, some correction, and that, but that God could love them and discipline them and bring them through all that to somewhere else, and that the great work that would make that happen was, was Christ. Does that sound too foreign to you? I mean, it's, it's a good way of reading this. I mean, I, I, I said, I quote Irenaeus because he said it before me, but I agree with Irenaeus. I think that's the best way to understand this story. So think about those early humans, right? They had yet to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you hadn't eaten, well, first let me ask you this. If, if you have a tree and it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what do you think you would get if you ate the fruit from that tree? Very good. All right. I just want to make sure we're following this metaphorical story very well. Yeah. So if you had not yet eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what would you not yet have? Very good. We're, yeah. So we have these first humans. They don't know right from wrong. They, they run around naked. I mean... Do we have anybody in our lives that seem to have no idea from right from wrong and they don't mind running around naked? Yeah, toddlers. Exactly. They don't know right from wrong. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means they haven't learned right from wrong. That's why we're in their lives, to help teach them right from wrong. And, and they also like to run around naked. It's very hard to keep clothes on kids. Naked's good, apparently. And they're always running around. We're like, no, put your clothes back on. So, so what if Irenaeus is right? That the, that the early creation is just that. It's just early creation. And it's a story of us learning right from wrong. And then you see God's response to that as a loving father responding to that, seeking to correct us and bring us from that point up to the point of Jesus which seems to change it all in both directions. But then there's still this kind of waiting period that we find ourselves in. As we, we wait, we hope, we look forward to a time when God will come and make things right. But what about that in-between time? I think that part of living the Christian life is seeking to... Um, respond to God in ways that acknowledge that all of those relationships in the beginning that were right and got kind of, you know, broken, we, you know, we were growing and we were doing things wrong, a.k.a. sin. And what happens in Christ? Because I think what happens by coming to Jesus is it not only makes our relationship with God right, but it has the potential to make our relationships with each other right. It also has the potential to make, literally, our relationship to ourself right. Because sometimes, you know, we beat up on ourselves. Sometimes we think of ourselves in ways that we shouldn't. We think, you know, woe is me, and I'm not that good. But God, God said you're good, and, and God is right. 
and, and you're wrong on that one. And that coming to Christ repairs that relationship too. And there's, and there's one more. There's a fourth one. So by following Jesus, not only does it put us in the right relationship with God and the right relationship with one another and the right relationship with ourselves, but it also puts us in a right relationship with nature, like with the rest of creation, that we're kind of been at odds with it too. It's like we're trying to fight it as opposed to being part of it and nurturing it and cultivating it. Like that's one of the original things God told humans to do was like take care of the earth. You know, mend it, care for it. It was a garden. We were, we were supposed to garden it. And if we look around, we're not doing a very good job at that. And we, we, are, we are not the best gardeners. I mean, if I had something and I loaned it to you and then you gave it back to me after you were finished with it and it was demolished, I would be like, you, you broke my stuff. You know, the pressure washer used to work. Now, now it doesn't. The car used to work. Now it doesn't. The house used to be, you know, nice, and now it's been trashed. I think we have a responsibility in that. The other passage, though, um, that gets paired with this passage on this particular day in, in the church calendar We get this all things made new, which I think is the work of God. So we're like children in the relationship with God. We can't do it all, but we get to participate with our Father who is doing it. So I wanted to say that. I don't think it's just a matter of just getting it done. I think it is the work of God, and that's why we pray and hope. And then our work gets kind of picked up by God and used. But the other passage is this passage from the Gospel of John, which would have been a whole different sermon had I focused just on that. But I think it's a particular helpful one if we're thinking about the original creation and the last creation and the way in which coming to Jesus should affect our relationships with one another. It's the, it's the Gospel of John, chapter 10. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Little children... I'm only with you a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And I don't think we ever go there, by the way. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So Jesus is going somewhere, but it's not where we all end up because Jesus is coming back and is going to make all this right. I mean, that's, that's the last vision in heaven, right? It's the new Jerusalem coming down. That's how the story ends. It's not us going up, up, and away, you know, somewhere over the rainbow to a galaxy far, far away where no one has gone before. I mean, that was good. That was, uh, no, but, but I had the Air Force in there. I had, uh, who else? Um, Star Wars, Star Trek, and uh, Wizard of Oz. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's not it, right? It's Jesus coming here. 
But Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. But let's all be honest for a second. Anybody ever kind of struggle loving some people? No, this is a show of hands. All right, very good. We're not alone. But what I, what I love about this is Jesus is saying, I have loved you. And now you are to love one another. But the last sentence, and again, I, I don't want to overparse the scripture here, but I think it might be important. He says, they will know that you're my disciples, not that you love one another, but that you have love for one another. That you have love for one another. So it's that even the love that I'm supposed to have for the other is not something I have to generate. It's because God has loved me, God has given me love, and that love that God has given me, I now have and can love someone else with it. Like, this is, this is designed to actually be the easiest possible religion in the world. I mean, God is such the actor in all of this. God makes a promise, you know, a covenant, and then God fulfills the promise, you know, through Jesus. God's like doing both sides for us. And he's just inviting us in. Even to the point when he says you're supposed to love other people, he'll say, look, I'll love you. And I'll love you in a way that you'll have love that you can then love the other with. That's just, that's just a good deal. I mean, that's, that is hard to beat. So I know that Life gets hard, and we get busy, and, and, and things kind of, kind of confuse us. It's like a fog rests over us, and we can't see. But what I, my prayer for us today is that through John's vision, right, this vision of a new Jerusalem coming down, that at least for a moment, the fog can lift in our lives, and that we can look around and we can see one another. And we can have love for one another. And we can see ourselves as God has made us. And we can see this world as this place that God is working to save. And that God will save. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to thwart God on this one. Like, I think we can, like, try, but we'll fail. But why would we want to try to thwart God? We want, to, we want to work with God. And we do that by loving God, by receiving God's forgiveness, by then sharing that forgiveness, by receiving God's love and then sharing God's love. And that's what we sing about. And that's what we pray about. And that's what it means to live the Christian life. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.